0: all day long, I, I, after that worship said, I'm like, man, I've, I've been to church. Like, I, I've been to church. I love that. Don't you love that? Yeah. Like, three people clapped. That was a... <laughs> no, 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 don't do it now. It's totally too late. Um, how many of you are parents of of teenagers that, that drive? Anybody? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we gotta, we'll gotta. have a prayer group afterwards in the lobby. This This week was... It was a... It was a bit nostalgic for me because Karis, my daughter, this past Monday got her, her permit. And that was weird because I remember her being born holding her in a in like one hand and people going, don't blink, it happens so fast and I would get so mad. And then I blinked and she, on Monday, she's like, hey. And, and she's got her permit. And it I got nostalgic. I just started thinking about taking her on daddy dates. I, I used to do this thing every Saturday when I would get her up and take her on a daddy date. And it was weird. Um, and if you're a dad, you you know it's a little weird when you take the kid out for the first time. You don't know what to do with the kid because the kid just stares at you. can't have a conversation. So I would take her to Chick-fil-A, and she couldn't eat Chick-fil-A food. She had to eat her food, so I'd feed her her food, but she always looked at my food at Chick-fil-A, and she would she would drool. I would eat, and she would drool. And that was kind of cool because I'm guessing... Another 15, 20 years, she'll roll me into Chick-fil-A. She'll eat her food, and I'll drool, have on the bib and everything. So I'm, but I'm fine with that. So I was just kind of thinking about some dates we've had, and years and years and years ago, she was probably about one and a half, two years old, we went to um, the duck pond. Now, if you're not from Anderson, let me explain this. We have a, in Anderson, we have have a pond with some ducks, (laughs) and we call it the duck pond. Or if you're in local politics, Cater's Lake. But that's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. So we went to the duck pond to feed the ducks. And y'all, I'm, I'm just, and now listen, I'm not asking for a duck. I don't want any ducks. I didn't say this this morning. I'm kind of scared what's going to happen this week. Like people are going to be dropping ducks off. But I love ducks. Ducks make me happy. I've got, in fact, my, in my backyard, the lady two doors down Actually, raise some ducks, and we have some ducks in our retention pond. And every time I go out there and they're swimming, I'm just, they, I don't know why ducks just make me happy. Y'all remember that season of Friends with the duck in it, and it just—I was like, that's my favorite season because of the duck. And so, anyway, we went to the duck pond because ducks make me happy, and we went to Publix to get some bread, and we went to the duck pond. We're feeding the ducks, and, and everything's great. We're having fun, but they also have geese at the duck pond. Now, let me just tell y'all how I feel about a goose. I would rather have a cat than a goose. Y'all like, oh, it just got real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I hate geese, and this is one of those, so, so this goose comes up, and this goose is, they're, they're mean. They're mean. They're possessed by Satan. They are absolutely mean. So, this goose comes up and spreads its wings out at all these ducks and hisses, and the ducks run off, and Karius looks at me, and I'm like, I don't know, baby. That's um I saw that happen in a Baptist church one time at a deacon's meeting. I'm trying to explain it to her, she didn't get it. So so I, everything was good. And then the duck, then the goose turned and looked at me. I've never been in this situation. And uh my my gun was in the truck. Um, and so he spread his wings even bigger and hissed. And in that moment, I wish I could tell you I was strong, I was a man, I manned up. I freaked out because. Then he started running at me. And I in one I scooped Karis up and started running in this direction. I, I'm kidding, I s I am so thankful that nobody was out there with their little camera phone going, ah, oh, we got Pastor P on. There. I mean, because because I'm telling you, it would have broke YouTube. I am run, and I don't know how long I ran from the goose. I was running from the goose. I don't know how long, but it hit me at some point, and I stopped. Because this thought ran through my mind. I'm running from a freaking goose. So I turned around, and he stopped. And I stared at him. I said, in the name of Jesus, I will punt you. And I did, I did. And he back. Okay, and I, listen, animal lover, I'm glad you're here tonight. I would have punted. I love animals. You would have loved the arc on the punt that I, that, that I did with that goose, all right? And I've never gotten over that. I've never forgotten that story. Some, it, it absolutely happened, and I've never forgotten it. And the reason why is this I was running from something that had no power over me, I was running from something that had no authority over me. I was running from something that I should have never ran from in the first place. And the reason I open with that tonight is because there's some people here in this room or maybe you're watching online and you're, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, but, but you're running from something that you have no business running from. You have authority over the enemy. You have power over the enemy. You have victory over the enemy. But unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, we get so freaked out By what the enemy says and how big the enemy seems, and we run from him rather than taking authority over him. And I just, tonight, I just want you to, when you walk out of this place, I want you to know that victory is not something we ask Jesus for. This victory is something we have and we walk out. (laughs) We're asking Jesus for victory, and he's like, cross an empty tomb. Like, what what else did you want? So, so tonight, tonight, tonight. We're going to go to a, I would say, one of the top three Bible stories in all the scriptures. We're going to talk about David and Goliath. Now, let me tell you the reason I'm excited about this, this message. I wrote it five years ago. I wrote it five years ago for another church. Second Chance didn't exist at the time because um, I hadn't met my friend from the UK that was crazy, that wasn't crazy, that told me how to do it. And so I wrote it five years ago. And I was going to another church to preach it, and God said, you're not preaching that one. And I was like, but it. I think it's kind of good. He's like, it's not that good. He said, put it in the crock pot. And I was like, yes, sir. So I put it in the crock pot. And it's been sitting there. The title of the message is Sticks and Stones. It's been sitting there. It's been sitting there. It's been sitting there. And like last Easter, I was like, is it time? He was like, it ain't done yet. I was like, all right. And so, so a couple of weeks ago, I wrote the message for tonight. And it was Mark II. We're going to talk about the Mark II action crew, about tearing the roof off and lowering the guy down. And it was great. And right when I got it finished and I'm ready to, like this past Monday, I had it all ready. And I preached through it and God was like, you're not preaching that one. <laughs> I'm like, come on. We went sticks and stones. Like, oh, snap. I pulled it up on my computer. I found it. I said, do it. He's like, I know, that's why I'm God, you're not. So that's, that, I'm, this has been in me for five years. I promise y'all I'll get y'all out of here by midnight, okay? Okay? So, I'm just kidding. David and Goliath, David and Goliath starts with the Philistines and the Israelites doing battle in the Valley of Elah. Now, the reason that's important is because the Valley of Elah was a major trade route in Israel at the time, so whoever controlled the trade routes controlled the economy. So there's so much going on in this text. And the Philistines and the Israelites, they, they did what a lot of ancient armies would do. They would, they would pick out their best warrior, and the other team would pick out their best warrior, and they would go head to head, and whichever one killed the other, the other side would say, okay, we'll, we'll submit to you for a year. Or it was like a, it was a way to spare the, all the men from dying, basically. And so that's what the Philistines and the Israelites had agreed to um, when we come to the story, by the way, be very careful about the agreements you make with the enemy. I didn't say that this morning. That was really good. That's what you get when you come to 5 o'clock. You get the, you get the extra side. You get the extra, extra cup of ranch dressing with your salad, all right? So, no, no, I'm serious. Be, be careful about making agreements with the enemy. Like, let me just give you an example. When you walk around and go, I'm so stupid you just made an agreement with the enemy because God would never call you that. I'm so dumb. You just made an agreement with the enemy because God would never say that to you. That was absolutely free. We can take another offering, but that was absolutely free. All right, so, so we're, gonna go, we're gonna go to the text. We're gonna pick up this story. Um, and I, I've got three points because I told y'all, I got some Baptists in me. One of these days I'll get charismatic and we'll go seven points. All right, here we go. Three points. Number one is the journey. One of the things that I've had to learn in walking with Christ for for over 30 years now is spiritual growth is a process. And all of us in this room or watching online are at different places in our journey with Christ. And a lot of the times, here's what happens. This is why Christians fight. Somebody that's three steps right here we'll look back on somebody that's three steps back and they'll start judging them for three steps back not understanding it's only by god's grace that they're three steps ahead i mean if they were doing it on their own they'd be flat on their face face back here passed out so we're all on a journey with christ the problem with that is some of us we want a breakthrough immediately we want god to do something for us and we want him to do it right now and when god doesn't do it right now we get angry in other words as followers of Christ, we're more interested in downloads than watching something grow. Let me explain that a little bit. I was, I was on my phone the other day, and I thought about a song. I was like, I want to hear that song. When you're hot, you're hot. When you're not, you're not. I wanted to hear that song for some reason. I don't know. I just got in a Jerry Reed moment. So I just pulled up my iPhone. I know I can ask to do it, but, but I want to say it out loud because she starts talking. Um, but I, I, I like to find it for myself. Pull it up, bam. Within 10 seconds, I'm listening to the song. It hadn't always been like that. 30 years ago, if I wanted to, to like get a song, you couldn't get it on the phone. I had to get my mom or dad to put me in the car and easily South Carolina and take me down to Poco Records, which was right beside TG and Y. Some of y'all don't know TGNY. What is TG? TG and Y made Walmart look high class, all right? So that's how that's how redneck TGNY was. You had to go into POCO Records, you had to go through all the 45s. Y'all know what 45s are? Am I talking anybody's language? You had to you had to get it, you had to bring it back home, put it on the record player, and then beg God that the needle worked. You had to work to get a song today. We just download it. Every reference to spiritual growth in the scriptures is agricultural. Things grow, but they grow slowly. There's a process. David, we're about to meet him, is in a process. He's on a journey. In 1 Samuel 16, he got anointed king. You think your teenagers got an attitude. Can you imagine your 15, 16-year-old son getting anointed king of the nation? That'd be a bit, think you got a ego to maintain. So, so David's anointed king, and he wasn't he didn't, like nobody picked him. Like when Samuel came to anoint everybody, David didn't. He, in other words, God's always looking for the person that nobody else is looking for. So he gets anointed king, and he's 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 hanging out with sheep. This is what's going on. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. I'm guessing, I can't prove this, but I'm guessing at this point, this was the classic teenage eye roll. Oh God, kid ever roll your eyes? That you, you know, roll that head across the floor, you do it again, right? Hypothetically. And give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. I always laugh when I read cuts of cheese because that's just the middle school boy in me. I, it just cracks me up. But he's got bread and cheese, bread and cheese, bread and cheese. You got pizza or quesadilla, right? You got something going on there. So take these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries, which is, um, well, that's another story for another time. Here's what's crazy. David could have, like, Jesse could have came to David and said, David, I need you to take some bread and cheese to your brothers who are fighting with King Saul. And David could have said, I'm I'm sorry, Dad. You, I don't know if you forgot, but I am, um, I'm anointed, and I am the the king, and uh, I'm not your pizza delivery boy. And so, uh, you know what, Dad? Why don't, you take the bread and cheese, and I will just, you know what? I am your king. No, no, no. David could have pulled that. But but David had this humble, contrite spirit, and he was simply willing to take the next step in his journey. He wasn't like, I'm in, I'm in King's College, or I'm in King's University, or I've been reading some books. He was like, you know, take some bread to my brother's. Absolutely. It was was an opportunity for him to take his next step. And in the opportunity and in the humility of David taking his next step, it brought him to the place where God was ultimately going to bring the breakthrough in his life. See, sometimes we think we're stepping into an average, ordinary, everyday opportunity. But I'm telling you, over consistency over time in our spiritual walk with God pays off. And one day you'll wake up and you think you're just going to read your Bible. Or one day you'll kneel down and you think you're just going to pray. Or one day you walk in these doors and you think you're just coming to church. In fact, Somebody might have walked in this place tonight and you thought you were coming to church, but actually tonight's the night you're going to receive Christ. Tonight's the night you're going, to give you, you're going to come back to Christ. Tonight's the night you're going to confess a sin that you've been wrestling with. Tonight's the night that the chains of addiction or depression or anxiety begin to break on you because when we're willing to take our next step and do what God tells us to do, he's always setting us up. Not for a breakdown, but for a breakthrough. Oh, All right? <laughs> Woo! Amen myself on that one. All right. Which leads to, next, the obstacle. Now, do me a favor. Turn to the person. Or, or, think about something for a second. I need, you get this image in your mind. What is the scariest movie you have Ever seen. Scariest movie you've ever seen. Now tell your neighbor. I didn't say to discuss the plot line. <laughs> tell your neighbor the scariest movie you ever seen. Hey, 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 hey! Dear God. All right, Jennifer. What's the scariest movie you ever seen? Exorcist. 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 Anybody got Exorcist? It's freaking scary. Head starts spinning around. I saw that one time in a deacon's meeting too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Um, Greg, what you got? Huh? The Conjuring Two. You watched both of them? Dear God. I, I heard a guy the other day say that said that he watched the Conjuring. And he's, a, he's like a grown man, but his family was away. And he was like, this would be like 20 minutes in. He shut the movie off, went into his bedroom, shut the door, locked it, put the dresser in front of the door, and slept with a gun. <laughs> I'm like, because that always works with a ghost, right? You just, you just you shoot him. Now, now, mine's been a little different. If you've been here, don't yell it out. If you've heard it, my, mine's a little different, but you need to give me just a minute to explain it. The scariest movie that I have ever seen is Jaws. And here's the reason: the slasher stuff. It don't bother me. Somebody shows up in my house with a hockey mask on. He's he's gonna have a bad day. Just a you brought a machete, dude. This is South Carolina. Everybody's got an AR. All right. So, are the one where a girl crawls out of the TV? Man, she picked a bad spot to crawl out of somebody's TV. as she's coming in my house. But Jaws affects me till this day because. If we go to the beach, I don't go in the water. Like, we went to the beach this summer, and me and Shannon and Karis, we all go outside, and they're like, we go to the beach. And I'm like, I'm going to be at the pool, because you can see in the pool. You can see everything in the pool. <laughs> they go to, because I've tried, I've tried. But you go in the ocean, and you get about, listen, let's say you go waist deep, and you're fine until something brushes your leg, <laughs> then you say it then you do it, right? That right there in the, but it's okay because you're in the ocean. So I don't, I don't, I don't go in the ocean because the, like somebody told me one time, said, what if, what if you got like the dream vacation you got to go to Tahiti or Bora Bora and you got on one of those things, that bungalows that are over the water? I was like, uh-uh. Because Jaws ate a helicopter. <laughs> Y'all remember when he ate the helicopter? He ate the Tiki Hut. Well, you in it. So, I, so Jaws still affects me Till this day. But it's, it's ridiculous because the odds of getting attacked by a shark are so low. I mean, they, they, if there's a shark attack, they'll put it online or whatever. They'll put it on immediately, blow things up. But it's so, but it still affect, it's an obstacle because it's something that I saw that affected me. Just like I saw that goose spread out its arms and it affected me. I heard the goose start to hiss and it affected me. Some of us, we see that obstacle, and the obstacle is the enemy, and his voice and his size will affect us if we take our eyes off of Jesus and put our eyes on the goose. Let me show you what I'm talking about. We're told soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now here's what's crazy. The army of Israel were the children of God. God told them, go into the land and take it. Nobody can stand up against you. No one can defeat you. But they Forgot the promises of God. They took their eyes off God and they put them on Goliath. Now, to be fair, Goliath is somewhere between seven and a half and nine and a half feet tall. As we like to say here in the South, he's a biggin. All right. He's, he's, a, he's a big old boy. He finished all his biscuits, all right? So he's he's a big boy, and everybody's looking at the size of the enemy, and they forgot the promises of God that they would have victory over the enemy, that they could take, in fact, the Philistines, God told them, you can beat them, but they forgot the promises and the presence of God and got so focused on the enemy, listening to his voice, and there are people in this room, including me, that if we're not careful, we'll buy into the lies of the enemy. You're not enough. You'll always be that way. You, you, you're just like your mama, you're just like your dad. You're never going to, you know, this is, a, this is a generational curse. Come at me with no generational curse. I will spiritual backslap you in a heartbeat. We'll talk about that another time. You believe in generational, no, let me just handle that real quick. No, I don't. The Bible's, that, listen, the Bible talks about it, but the Bible also talks about personal responsibility and if you want to sit around and blame your dysfunction on your mama or your daddy, you can go ahead, but you'll die in that dysfunction. And I pray that your children don't learn from you what you learned from your parents. Because at the end of the day, we got to accept personal responsibility for our spiritual walk with Jesus. All right? I got the most jagged, like my my father's side of the family is so jacked up and my mama's side of the family the family tree didn't branch that much okay i'm just saying it was weird so here we go let's keep going as soon as the israelite army saw him they began to run away in fright so here's what's funny earlier in the text they're shouting the battle cry yeah come get some and then they get out to the battle and they see the size of the enemy and they hear him and then they take off running but but that happens to us too isn't it funny how the enemy can take the smallest thing and get us sidetracked? I was on TikTok the other night. There's a lot of wisdom on TikTok. <laughs> and something came on about like a like a Millie Vanilli song. Some of y'all are like, who's Millie Vanilli? Nobody knows. But but it was if you got to Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about, but. It was, it was their song, Blame It on the Rain. And uh, what was funny is I was, I was in a good place. But Blame It on the Rain came on. And it took me back to senior week at Myrtle Beach when I was in high school and did not know Jesus. And guilt and shame got all in my head. And for a few minutes, I had to put my phone down. I was like, man, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was at that place. I, and isn't it funny how you can be having the best day, and the enemy will take something from your past and pull you down. That's an obstacle. Some people, it's not your past. It's your, it's your present. It's not what you did 10 years ago. It's what you did this week. And you feel stuck spiritually. I know what it's like to feel stuck spiritually. Heck, I've been stuck spiritually before. I, you're just, you don't know what to do, and you pray, and you, and, and you feel, and then the enemy is shouting at you. And listen, he's not going to stop shouting, especially if he's getting through. And he is big, and he is huge, and I'm not telling you the pro, the problem that you're facing isn't huge. I'm just saying God's bigger than than the problem that we're facing. So so if you're facing the obstacle tonight, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. And I wrote this down, and this this has just been my go-to. Every time in the Scriptures you see an obstacle, Jesus turned it into an opportunity. Storm, opportunity to speak peace. Dead person, opportunity to bring them back to life. Sick person, opportunity to make them well. Jesus always turns obstacles into opportunities. So finally, all these guys with swords and spears and shields who are equipped to go fight didn't want to go fight. And David was like, well, I ain't got a sword. I ain't got a spear. I ain't got, you know what? I got a sling and a, and a rock. So David goes to Saul, and he says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. Now, at first, Saul's like, "Eh, he's a little crazy. But then Saul didn't have any other options. So he sent David out, which we get to number three is the victory. Now, this next story, somebody's going to get mad and let you let me finish the story. Let me finish the story. Before you, because I promise you, you'll like the story. But in the middle of the story, there's probably probably more female than male will get mad. But you got to let me explain it, okay? We good? Yes. I had some friends asked me to come over to Greenville several years ago, and they said we're going to go to lunch at the, um, the at the Lazy Goat. I was like, that's cool. We ain't got no Lazy Goat in Anderson. <laughs> I'm gonna filter that thought and just kind of save it for later, because that that'll be that'll be a good illustration. No, I'm going to say, I don't get goat yoga. Like, wow. Anyway so, anyway, so we went to the Lazy Goat, and um, I'm sit- we're sitting outside, and I'm at a big table, and I look over to my left, and there's a big table. They're having fun. We're having fun and everything. But I'm all, I, like, I, when I sit down, my back's got to be against the wall, and i got to be able to see everything. I'm that guy. So I'm kind of scoping the place out, and I look, and there's one of these little baby carriers. You know those little baby carriers that they look so comfortable? I wish they made them for adults. I looked over in this baby carrier and saw the ugliest baby I've ever seen in my life. Y'all, I'm not kidding. I'm not even being funny. This 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 baby was freaking ugly. And so I I did I did one of these. I was like, okay. I need to take a second look. Oh God. So I got some friends, so I was like, hey, hey, do me a favor. I said, I said, don't make this obvious. He's like, I said, I said, don't make this obvious. I said, I got a question. I said, I just need some help because my eyesight isn't that good. I said, is, is that baby ugly? He leans forward. He looks back. He goes, my God. I was like, like if, if somebody had a picture of that baby on their phone, I, Dad, you're just killing people! Hey, you see my child? Ah! So I, so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there thinking. I'm trying to figure out how I can get a picture of the baby without the mom seeing me get a picture of the baby. And mom reaches down, picks up the baby, puts the baby on the table, and starts changing the diaper. And I'm like, hmm, hmm. Because I knew that whatever came out of the baby probably looked better than the baby. All right, I mean the baby was ugly. <laughs> so at this point, I am staring. I'm legit staring at, and I couldn't. I couldn't look away. I could not look away. And the mom looked at me. She caught me. She, and she's like, she she looked at her like her husband, and they looked at me, and they just busted out laughing. And I, I'm like, and they went, it's not real. I said, huh? They said, we're in high school. This is our like project in one of our classes where you got to take care of the baby for like a week and you got to change the diaper and everything. they said, it's not real. I went, oh, thank God. (laughs) I said, that baby's ugly. She said, no, it's ugly. We know it's ugly. That's one of the reasons we chose it. (laughs) I've never forgotten that. And here's here's the reason I tell that story. Some of us are freaked out by something that the enemy's doing in our life that's not real. His voice is real, but that doesn't have authority over you. His size is real, but that doesn't have authority over you. If you are in Christ, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have victory over the enemy. I don't care how big he looks, how big he is, how long we've struggled. We have victory. So this is, but this is the good part. This is the good part. I know, I, I know you're not supposed to say that when you're a preacher. Y'all are supposed to tell me it's the good part, but I preached it twice already. I'm telling y'all, this is the good part. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome, he despised him. I kind of get that. You see somebody looks handsome, you're like, I don't like them, they're not good. Watch this. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, sticks. See, a shepherd would have a, a stick. A staff. Everywhere he went, he would have his staff and had a little crook thing on the end. So if a sheep started getting away, he'd just pull it back. This reminds me how many times God's probably had to pull me back. He's the good shepherd, right? So he's pulling us back. But sometimes when you got in rocky terrain as a shepherd, you you would have two sticks. You would have one for balance and one to pull a sheep or one whatever. So he had, he had a couple sticks, and he's walking to the battle lines. <laughs> And Goliath's almost like, dang, Rudy, <laughs> you're coming at me with sticks. I'm going to have to give you the skipney path. <laughs> if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But he's insulted. He's like, you're going to come at me with sticks. I'm a warrior. I'm a fo- I am got somebody carrying my shield and my sword, and you're going to bring sticks to a sword fight. This ain't going to be a problem. David didn't have a sword. Goliath had a humongous sword. So Goliath's focused on the sticks, right? Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, so far, that had been enough for Goliath to make the other people run away. But see, David wasn't intimidated by the voice of the enemy because he knew he was anointed by God. Somebody here needs to hear this tonight. You're anointed and highly favored by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not just for a certain few people. If you are in Christ, you are as anointed as David was. That's who you are. So so it says, as Goliath moved closer to attack David, David David quickly ran out to meet him because that's what we do when we're confident in Christ. We don't run from the enemy. We run towards the enemy. And and reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a, let's say this word on three, one, two, three, stone. He hurled it with its sling and it hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in. Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Knocked him out. And here's what's crazy. It didn't kill him. Knocked him out. Well, how do we know he died? I'm glad you asked because this is one of the most B.A. sections of the Bible. I can say that because this is second chance. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. He had no sword. Goliath had the sword. No weapon formed against you will prosper, right? Don't, David didn't have a sword. Goliath had a sword, so what did David do? So then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Because no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now this is the point I want to make. Goliath was focused on the sticks. But David used the stone to get to victory. Pastor P, what does that mean to me today? I'm glad you asked. 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus, and he faced down an enemy named Satan. And it wasn't in the Valley of Elah, but it started in the Garden of Gethsemane. And eventually, Jesus is carrying a cross to Golgotha, and Satan's like, oh, you're going to come at me with sticks. You're going to come at me with sticks. See, everything in the Bible points to Jesus. You're going to come at me with sticks. I know how to use sticks. I can almost hear Satan saying, I know how to use sticks. I've been killing people with sticks for years. So you hold on to yourself. I'll put you on those sticks, and I'll murder you on those sticks, and I'll be done with you. And he did. He put Jesus on the sticks, and he killed him. But three days later, Matthew tells us early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. See, Satan was looking at the sticks. He didn't count on the stone. And because the stone was rolled away, Jesus walked out in victory. And because Jesus walked out in victory, we can walk out In victory today no matter what we're facing no matter what's coming against us like I said earlier greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world if you have Jesus living in you Paul said in Romans the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you lives in me lives in us so if that is true what is our excuse We have no excuse, we can walk in victory. Even when we don't feel it, we gotta declare it. I'm victorious, I'm a child of God. I belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. First Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody here tonight needs to know, you are victorious. You are walking with Jesus. You are filled with his spirit. And you don't have to hold down your head because Jesus knows what we've done. He's paid for our sins on the cross, got up from the grave. He's alive today. He's alive in us. And because that is true, we win. We win. We win. We are victorious. And so before we do the invitation tonight, I want us to sing that out. I want us to sing it again. I want us to sing it like we mean it. I want to sing about the victory that Jesus gives us. So let's lift this up right now. I'm gonna see a victory and let's believe it for ourselves. Jesus, thank you today, right now. That in you, Jesus, we have we have the victory. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here tonight. And you know what? Spiritually, you've, you have feel like you've been defeated. You've listened to the enemy's voice. You looked at the size of your problem. God didn't bring you here to scold you. He brought you here to remind you that you're his child and he loves you. And he is for you and he is with you and he has a plan for you and it's greater than anything you could ever imagine. It's immeasurably more. It's exceedingly abundantly more. So if you're here tonight and you feel like you've been walking in defeat right now just right where you stand why don't you if you're a follower of jesus if jesus lives in you just thank god for the victory even if you don't feel victorious sometimes you just got to tell yourself maybe you're here tonight because you've never prayed to receive jesus you've never asked jesus to come in your life and, and you can't have victory without Christ it's impossible and to and tonight you walked in and you know that tonight's your night you need to pray to receive Jesus if that's you I'm gonna ask you to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life out loud but you don't have to do it alone because we do this as a church family we're gonna pray together with you we're all gonna pray together out loud in one voice but if you need to pray to receive Christ just pray this out loud and mean it from your heart. Just everybody in the room right now, but if you know you need Christ, this is your prayer, just pray right now, just say, Jesus Christ, I confess you as my Lord and my God. I know that I'm a sinner, I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for victory, Jesus. In your name I pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room right now, if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ to come into your life, I wanna celebrate with you, I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you. I want you to do me a favor right now and put your hands straight up in the air because I wanna pray for you, I wanna pray with you, I wanna pray for you. Anybody thank you, anybody else? Father, I wanna thank you in the name of Jesus, that all day long today that you have saved people all day long today, you have changed people's lives. Father, I pray that right now, tonight, that as we walk out these doors, we would walk out of this place knowing, number one, that we spent time with you tonight. And number two, that we have victory over anything the world throws at us, because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Everybody that agreed with his prayer said amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? (laughs) Me too. Hey, don't miss next Sunday night. It's going to be awesome. Love you guys. God bless.